time for a guy with three kids to be out in Colorado, Rocky Mountains, without you know, without the craziness that comes with you know, just having three kids around the house. But it's like a vacation, and I ain't gonna lie, it kind of was for about two hours. And I sat there in my in my hotel room and I watched uh, the first half of a, a football game, and they got to halftime, and I kind of just hit the wall. You know, I was without that daily interaction, that that constant connection my kids, and I just, I just missed it, um, and I was, it, the whole rest of the trip was, was kind of that way, too, you know, here I was, you know, Rocky Mountains were literally, there was a front range of, of mountains that were literally right behind uh, the office that I drive to every morning, so you'd go there, and it's just beautiful, you know, like a picture in the background, and, you know, I just had this feeling inside, like, it, it's just not the same unless I had those people that I loved so much in, in my life there to share it with. I didn't have that connectedness. And so my wife would call me on a, you know, every day, or text me throughout the day, actually, and just give me like, little updates, like Madison's doing this, Sophia's doing that, and just kind of fill me in on the little, little stories that were going on. But it wasn't, you know, and I appreciated the information, but it wasn't the same without that real one-to-one connectedness, that relationship that I have with my children. And so every night we would talk. And, you know, they'd share the, the stories, and, and a lot of times it was basically the same thing that, that April had told me, you know, this is such and such had happened, they're just repeating it back to me. But I didn't care, that's what I wanted. Um, you know, it was that, that, that connection, that the real, you know, talking to them, that just, you know, fueled our relationship and helped me feel, you know, less uh, disconnected from them. And I remember, I remember Madison, she's telling me the story about uh, a Viking ship she created as part of a homeschool project. And she's going through all the details of how she put it together, the materials she used, and all this stuff. And, you know, I just loved it. It was great. And, and Sophia, she's my, she's my five-year-old. She was telling me all about how she had learned to ride a bike without training wheels for the first time. So she's excited. And it was awesome to just be able to share in that, you know, real-life experience. You know, although I was hundreds and hundreds of miles away, just hearing her voice and the excitement she had in it was, you know, it, it kind of filled that connected hole that I had with them. And then there's Shepard. He's, he's my two-year-old. So the conversations with him were kind of a wee bit different. The, uh, it was a little, little short on the content, but uh, you know, I, I appreciated it nonetheless. You know, my, my conversations with him, which were constantly, Hi, Daddy! Hi, Daddy! Hi, Daddy! As he's waving into the, into the, the, uh, the video camera, because we were using Skype to talk to each other. So he's just sitting there over and over. And I'm trying to engage him, like, Hey, hey, Shepherd. So, uh, what'd you do today? Hi, Daddy. <laughs> well, you know, how, you know, were you good for mommy? Hi, Daddy. Isn't that what I said? I wanted to say hi, Daddy. And it didn't matter to me either because you know I just wanted to hear his voice, you know, and that and that was enough. I still knew from April, you know, the content, the basics of what was going on at the house, uh, you know, from her texts and, and calling me throughout the day. But I had to hear that from them firsthand to, to, to breathe that life back in, into our relationship. And the ache of missing them was just slowly, you know, some of the edge was brought off it from being able to talk to them. And I felt, you know, a little bit better about, about being separated. I was able to experience that joy of connectedness with them. I kind of look at that story as kind of a, of a portrayal of our prayer life with God. You know, he's sitting there and wants to just communicate with us. He just wants to hear from us. He wants to hear our voice. You know, 
if you, you think about it, prayer is kind of one of life's complex simplicities. It's one of those things that, that just seems so easy. I mean, it's just it's just talking, you know, talking to God, right? It's just offering up words and just having, you know, just, just talking to Him, just having a cute, you know, a conversation with Him. But within that, you know, that simple truth, or, you know, the relates with questions that we that you know often pop up in our heads, like if He's all knowing and He knows everything, well, what's the purpose of me really praying anyway? He already knows the answers. Or what is the perfect way for me to pray? You know, do I kneel? Do I, you know, just shout out to him? Do I cry? You know, what is what's the perfect way to pray? Or um, how do I know that I'm hearing God's voice through prayer if I haven't literally heard God's voice? Is it real? Is it me or is it him? You know, these are things that we wrestle with through prayer. Um, and as we try and figure stuff out. So this morning, we're just going to kind of walk through that journey together. Uh, just kind of talk about prayer and to be under, better understand the purpose, the beauty, and some of the biblical examples uh, that we're given on what prayer looks like. So, what is prayer? It's kind of like I said, I mean, in, in its base form, it's, it's simply communication with God. And as you would expect, communication just like it is with, with anybody, it takes on all different forms depending on what the you know what the day is. You know, as we go through life here on Earth, we store up um, you know through interactions pain. We store joy. We experience uh, just you know mentally amazing things. You know, through classes and through other things that we learn. And those are the things that that God wants us to you know to share. With us. And sometimes our prayers look, can just be a cry for mercy or for justice. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, pure joy, whatever it may be. But in all those situations, our prayers, the prayer, you know, the context of us actually praying, it's free from judgment of the word selection that we make. God's not there with a check sheet and saying, hey, you got an 85 on this one, not bad, not bad. I like the words you used over here, you need to wrap it up a little bit different over here. <laughs> There's no judgment, and it's full of love, always, embracing us through it. And I'm daily amazed that I serve a holy God that actually wants that type of relationship with me, a real one-to-one communication with me. Um, but that's something he desires sometimes, just, you know, when I think about it, just amazes me. And sometimes I laugh, or, you know, I, I, hear, or I hear the words coming back out of me as I'm praying, you know, things that seem so troubling to me. I imagine God hearing them, he's like, you know, chuckling to himself. And it must feel so, you know, so seems so simple, kind of like the "Hi, Daddy, Hi, Daddy" <laughs> prayer or a uh, conversation I was having with Shepherd. You know, things that trouble me to him, he's like, "Come on, you can get through this. I'm here with you. This is easy," um, and just giving me that that warm side embrace uh, to get through it. God loves us deeply, and His desire is to stay with Him in communion with uh, through prayer. But what does that look like? You know. Prayer just kind of offering up a list of, God, hey, I want this, I need this, I need this. Hey, so-and-so needs that. If you could set him up, too, that would really appreciate that. Is, I mean, is prayer is prayer that? Or is it, is it hey, God, uh, you know, I really, hey, I'm sorry. You know, I, I really fell down here. I sinned against you. I, you know, I did something wrong. I need you to forgive me. I mean, is that what prayer is? Or um, is it just praying for, you know, for a loved one? I think the answer is, you know, it depends on depends on the day. But in, in short, it's yes, it's all those things. 
sometimes our prayer life is, you know, is each of those things, and sometimes it's all of it. You know, it really depends. Each day is different. Um, but you know, when I think about it, it you know, we just gotta get, just gotta keep doing it um, and praying through it. And I'm not a very structured person. You know, as those of you that know me probably have learned very quickly. Uh, so with prayer, I kind of have like a routine uh, structure that I kind of go through. So for me, when I pray, I start off with just a time of thanksgiving and, and praising Him. I start off with just kind of looking back over how God has uh, has been with me, stood by me throughout the years, and praise Him, praise Him for that. It's just a time to just reflect on who He's proven Himself to be as my Savior and as my God. I'm blessed beyond measure to have a family, or to have a, a wife, a wonderful wife, and beautiful children, and I, I thank Him daily for that. I'm blessed to have a, a circle of friends uh, and, and acquaintances that are there to share life with, and I thank Him for that. And I thank Him simply for who He is. I'm blessed that I, I serve a loving and forgiving Father that's there to pick me up day after day after day when I fall, to be by my side and, and you know, to just just come along and embrace me through that, through life. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20 speaks to this continual attitude of thanksgiving. It says, Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, each of us are different, and our lives contain a multitude of struggles. You know, some of them, but there isn't any... There isn't any of these struggles that would make it so so bad that we wouldn't find something to be thankful for. Every one of us, every one of us in this room, if we really examine our lives, there's something in there, there's a nugget that we can praise God for. For some of us, there's a whole mine of nuggets that we can praise God for. But he wants to hear that. It's just part of the day-to-day conversation to praise him and to, to offer up that thanksgiving. And for me, doing that up front kind of just centers my soul and enters me into that, that time of prayer with him. Next, I kind of go into, it's usually like a time of, of confession. It's a time when I, when I say to him, you know, like I said before, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. This is ways that I've sinned against you. Or, hey, I'm, uh, God, I, I really you know, need to ask your forgiveness for you know, how I acted towards this person or things I said about this person over here. It's a time to just kind of cleanse my soul, get myself right, get it out, and just wait for his forgiveness. It's kind of like addressing that proverbial elephant in the corner. We all know it's there. It's big. It's huge. God knows we sinned. He knows we messed up. But he still wants that communication with us. He wants to hear us. And most of all, he wants to forgive us. He wants to embrace us through that. And he wants us to, to know, to move forward and know that we are forgiven um, of our sins. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 tells us, He who conceals his sins does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. This mercy is available to all of us simply by asking. By coming to him and asking for it. And asking for his forgiveness. And repenting of our ways. There's no limit to this. It's unconditional. And it's always it's always waiting there for us to ask for that forgiveness. How amazing is that? That that is the kind of God we serve. That's there with open arms continually forgives us. The next part of my prayer life kind of moves into just a, a daily struggle. 
Because let's be honest, you know, life's, life here on earth, it's not easy. You know, we go through things every day that are kind of hard. Um, and, and God wants to hear that from us. Each of us carry, probably carried heavy burdens through that door down the hallway and as we sit in our seats, <coughs> myself included, you know, things that just weigh us down. And sometimes those burdens can feel so heavy as, as, as if they will crush us. Mm-hmm. You know, we carry them on our back and we just feel them in our soul. Prayer is just the best way to just offer up that burden, to offer up that trouble to God and ask that He, you know, come beside us and help share our burden. You know, we, we serve a God that carried a burden that was, you know, unimaginable. He carried that burden to the cross. He died. And He knew that was going to happen throughout His whole life here on earth. That his, his out, the outcome of His life was inevitable. But still He walked in acted and showed us that perfect model of how it is to live. So chapter or Luke chapter 22 verse 44 says, And in being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and he sweat drops like, his, his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. See, in, in this section we see this is the first time that, that Jesus was actually going to be separated, uh, spiritually separated from his, from his heavenly father to that window. And the pain and unimaginable, uh, the burden that he carried with that, it drove him to his knees. It drove him. Uh, it drove him to his knees. He had to. He had to spend time with his father. That's what he was compelled to do. I find that amazing. Um, in this, you know, difficult hour, one of the last hours he's here on earth, he had to be on his knees. He wanted to be connected with the father because he knew what was right around the corner. The pain. Um, I, I just can't imagine it myself. See, Jesus has a, a deep desire to, to hear our struggles, for us to just pour it out to him. Um, he, wants, he wants to hear everything. It doesn't matter if, some, you know, if our trials sometimes can feel trivial. You know, it's, Sometimes our prayers are, seem trivial, like, Jesus, I, I just don't feel good about myself today. I want you to remind me that I'm created in your image. Help me to get that stuff out of my head. Or sometimes it can, you know, it's just something simple, like, you know, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want to commit my my life to you. But I'm going to need you to, to guide me in this. I need you to come alongside me. Um, the burden of knowing, like, how, how to follow God's will sometimes, you know, that can be that can be pretty heavy too. He wants to hear it all, and he wants to love us through our prayer time. So the next, the last section I kind of go into is just. Prayer for the, the world around me. And I guess you could kind of sum that up as prayer for everyone but me. Um, it's a way that, I, you know, in that, in that time, it's a time for me to just kind of pray for, for friends and for family, but also sometimes for people around the world um, that are going through terrible, you know, terrible life events that we always read about. Um, that's kind of how I, I, I end things there. You know, and I work in sales, um, as some of you probably know. So, it's during this section, too, that I ask God to you know, bless the relationships that I'm going to have with people, uh, people that I'm going to encounter, that maybe they'll see him in me through our interaction. And most importantly, you know, as it relates to my work, that, that prayer is just that I'd be able to develop real relationships that aren't based on the services that I sell. You know, I really want to connect with people, and I pray for him, or I pray for that, that he would give me those types of relationships. And my daughters, you know, my daughters really show me um, this 
on a daily basis. I just, I just laugh. They, they have a, they have on every prayer. I'm not joking. With every prayer, with every meal, they pray that God would send missionaries to countries where they don't have the Bible, that they would be able to translate it. I just love that. You know, I love that at their age, they have that burden for people in other countries that Jesus would intervene in their lives and, and give them, you know, people that would be able to, to translate the Bible, uh, even though they're as old as they are. One of my favorite examples of this type of, of intercessory prayer comes in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. Um, it's, a, it's a really beautiful section. It really shows God's or Jesus' relationship to the Father. It shows Jesus' relationship to the disciples. And it shows how Jesus you know, is basically asking the disciples to interact with us, the type of relationship he wants us to have uh, with God through him. It's a little long, um, but I want you to really pay attention to some of the words, because um, there's some beautiful stuff in here. Um, my prayer is not for them alone. And in this, this part here, he's talking about the disciples themselves. My pray for, for those, I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May, I also, may they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you, as you have loved me. <coughs> Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you have loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. You know, like I said in the beginning, this, you know, my part here is by no means an exhaustive list of like all the different prayer types. There's, there's, there's plenty of different ways that we can pray. It's just something... You know, it's just a, a skeleton, a structure that works for me. Um, you know, and, and I just ask, you know, ask if you don't have that kind of structure, maybe or structure or framework, maybe it's something uh, that you consider adding to your prayer life as well. As Derek said, prayer is part of the framework through which we experience God's presence. And it's part of the framework through which we experience spiritual formation taking place in our lives. Um, as he was just talking about, we, we've explored kind of the questions of what is prayer and then looking at the example of Jesus' prayer, prayer from Scripture to talk about how do we pray. Uh, and the other looming question for us then is this question of why pray? Why pray? Derek touched on it there at the beginning. The, the idea that why do we pray if, if we'll really get honest about it, if sometimes in our lives, and sometimes it seems like it's frequent in our lives, that we'll pray, we believe in faith, we follow all the formulas that we're supposed to follow, and then it seems like nothing happens, right? Anybody ever been there? Um, we have this experience, it's this frustrating spiritual experience where we feel like we're doing everything that we're supposed to do. We pray as hard as we can, we believe. We have faith in it. We know God can do it, and then he doesn't. So why doesn't he? So why pray? If he 
doesn't answer us when we pray. Why even pray? Why even pray? And let me start by, by saying that that question may seem like doubt as it rises up in our hearts. And it may seem like the kind of thing we want to push away because we don't want to let doubt in. We want to combat doubt with faith. We want faith to win every single time. And absolutely we do. Or, or we may seem like, man, that's irreverent to even ask that question because God knows what he's doing. Who am I to, to ask him what he's up to? I just need to believe it. I just need to trust it and go with it, right? But that question, when it rises up in us, understand this. Sometimes we're afraid of that question. But God is never afraid of it. God is not afraid of our questions. In fact, hidden there in our questions somewhere is this strange, almost backwards kind of faith and this backwards kind of belief because if we take the time to actually give voice to our doubts and to our questions, then there's something in there, there's an indication in there that we believe God might actually have an answer for. And we ask the questions because there is faith that he can answer. There's faith that he's big enough that he can handle it, that he's strong enough that, that he can provide an answer. So somehow, some way, even our doubts become for us these subtle declarations of hope and these kind of subtle expressions of faith and belief that, God, you are big enough to answer this. You're big enough to answer this. And so questions become for us not so much like barricades to the road, right? Not, not just roadblocks that stop us where we are in our, in our faith journey, but instead they become like guides for the journey for us. And so our questions actually draw us in deeper. Because if we have the courage to voice them and the courage to embrace the answers that God gives us, then he's going to draw us into even deeper places of faith than we are right now. It's easy to just close everything out and just be like, it is how it is, and I'm just going to go with that. I'm never going to ask. All right? It's easy to live like that until something comes along and the whole bottom falls out. And we haven't even taken the time to ask the questions, so all we're left with there is, is no, no, no answers. And so instead of these roadblocks, our questions can become for us journeys on the faith, drawing us into deeper places. They press us away from the shore and away out beyond the shallow waters and drag us out into deep water where we are in over our heads. And what we're confessing to God, I don't get it. I need you to, to show me what this is about. So don't be afraid of those questions because God isn't afraid of them. He's not afraid. Here's the flip side of that, though. Don't be afraid of the questions, but also brace yourself for the answer. Brace yourself for the answer because the answer might be difficult to swallow. It might be tough to swallow. But God knows what he's doing. And in, in his wisdom, he will reveal to us the answer and he will help us be able to embrace it. The only thing worse than a person who pretends to have all of the answers is a person who refuses to have any answer at all. And when God unveils that answer for you, it may be difficult. It may be something you have to wrestle with. It may be tough to swallow. But trust his wisdom and submit yourself to his wisdom and ask him to take you along on this journey. So questions are, are welcome when it comes to faith. It's, it's not an indication of lack of faith. 
It's actually a subtle declaration of deeper faith that says, I believe you can answer this. I believe you can handle this. Take me into a deeper place, off of the shore, beyond the shallows, into the deep water where I'm in over my head, and you're going to show me things that I never imagined before. So, so this, is, this is major. This question, why then should we pray? Why should we pray? And part of the answer comes in this. It, it's, it's the idea that prayer isn't just so that we can get what we feel like we want or need. Uh, it takes us beyond that. Prayer is more than that. As Derek said, prayer is communication. And this is one of the deepest longings of the human heart that we've ever had. From the moment that things fell apart in the garden, our souls have labored to lead us back. Our souls are longing for this communion and this connection with God again, the thing that we lost so long ago. And so sometimes we call it different things, and we refer to it maybe as a search for meaning or, or a search for beauty or a search for goodness or even we will call it a search for ourselves, right, that we've got to really find ourselves. What we're really looking for deep down below all of that is God. We're looking for what we lost long ago, and that is God. And prayer is that. Prayer is this connection with God. It's this communication with Him. Um, even more than just conversation. Sometimes it doesn't even have words to it. It's just this guttural, downbeat kind of communication and connection with Him. Prayer is what we've always longed for. This connection with God again. And so in a way, prayer in and of itself is the answer to our deepest question our deepest plea to be one with God. And in prayer, that opportunity and that invitation is there to come and to know Him and to know Him deeper, to go into deeper places with Him. So part of what prayer is is and why we pray is communication. And also, part of why we pray is transformation. And we know that this is, prayer is one of the greatest avenues through which God shapes us into the likeness of himself. Um, the great writer in Richard Foster said, to pray is to change. To pray is to change. And so absolutely, we pray so that we can try to change things around us. But another reason that we pray is that it changes us. It's changing us. And it's this journey into deep transformation, the reshaping of who we are and as we go into it, and as God draws us deeper into it, we begin to discover more and more of his character, of his heart, of his mind. And as that happens, it continually reshapes who we are. And it shapes us, it shapes our heart to look like his, our mind to look like his, our will to be like his. And that's part of what prayer is about. Somebody at, at our uh, our uh, old man coffee meeting that we have every week, which is like Tuesday mornings, merit, store and grill. Uh, we get together, and it's all the old men from the church. So that means like me and uh, <laughs> guys this age, right? And so we get together, and one of the guys posed the question this week. He's like, hey, I came across this quote. What do you guys think of it? And the quote was, the purpose of prayer is to move God. What do you think? And so we thought about it, and we talked about it. And the answer that came back was that that's just a piece of it. The purpose of prayer, actually deeper than that, is to move us. It's not for us to move God. It's for God to move us and to reshape us and to change us 
so that our will matches up with his, our heart matches up with his, our mind matches up with his. Purpose of prayer is way deeper than just asking. It begins there, absolutely, it begins there. But it goes deeper than that too, and it reshapes us and transforms us. To pray is to change. Prayer changes things, absolutely, absolutely. Pray bold prayers of faith, because prayer changes things. But even more than that, what's happening beneath the surface is that prayer changes you. And it's reshaping of who you are. The last piece of that and, and why we pray is that it, it's prayer is listening. Prayer is listening. So it's not just us pouring out our hearts to God. That's the beginning of it. But the other part of that is God pouring his heart into us and us hearing from him. And it may not come. And let me tell you, it's probably not going to come in the form of some kind of thundering word from the sky, right? Or, 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 or a strong, clear command in your mind. Instead, as you pray and as you begin to understand his character and his heart and his mind and his will, then that will begin to show itself. So the word of God comes alive to you as you're reading it and you hear his living, actual voice coming off of the page as you read through this book. And, and you begin to hear it in the wisdom of people around you. You begin to see it in the faces of the forgotten corners of our city. You begin to recognize it in the beauty of the world around you, alive with these artistic whispers of revelation that are available there. Uh, and, and you see it through all of these normal avenues of life. As you pray and as you begin to communicate with God, and something happens to where you also stop and you listen. It's a major part of what prayer is. Listen. Be still. Slow down. Listen. The monk named Thomas Merton, who, who said this, he says, how does an apple ripen? It sits in the sun. It sits in the sun. So our spiritual growth is not just this striving and this like sweating and, and just trying to become more in God. Part of our spiritual growth is being still and being quiet and listening sitting in the sun, drawing in the, that, that natural, organic kind of growth that happens just by being connected to the vine, as Jesus said. That's what it's about. Be still, slow down, listen. Prayer invites us into communication with God. Transformation happens as we listen and we hear his voice. Today is, um, is Reformation Day, all right? Anybody know what that is? The counterpart to Halloween. Um, I promise we will not have a Reformation Day party and make everyone dress up like Martin Luther. Okay. <laughs> but Reformation Day marks the day in history where the church began to change. There, there, there was this building up that was happening, and this was kind of a breaking point where, where it had been building. And this guy named Martin Luther, who was studying to be a priest in the Catholic Church, um, there was this bold act of rebellion on his part against the religious, broken religious structure of his day. And so he goes to the church and he nails on the door of this church these 95 statements of where the church had lost its way from its rooting in scripture. And part of that was that the church began to think that everything had to flow through the leadership of the church. And he's like, no. This is part of the genius of God is that the Spirit of God lives in each one of us. So each one of us is this living part of the kingdom. 
And each one of us is invited into this relationship with God where we don't need a priest to confess through. We confess straight to Jesus Christ himself. He is our priest to the Father, right? And so not just that that we um, have to hear the word brought to us from someone, read to us from someone in, in a position of power, but the word is there for each of us to understand and to dig into. And so this reformation, this change began to take place. And so this marks that day. This, this opens it up for us. It opens it up for us. Each one of us has the opportunity to enter into this personal communication with God. And it breaks through the religious structures. And it comes into the living spirit of God that is inside of us. And it invites us into relationship with Him. It invites us to enter into this act of prayer through which we communicate with God, through which we're transformed, and through which we can hear His voice. Why do we pray? That's why we pray. That's why we pray. Prayer changes things, absolutely. But prayer changes us as well. And that's why we do it. Andrew Murray said in his classic book, With Christ in the School of Prayer, reading a book about prayer, listening to lectures, and talking about it is very good, but it won't teach you to pray. You get nothing without exercise, without practice. I might listen for a year to a professor of music playing the most beautiful songs, but it won't teach me to play that instrument. So that's what we're going to do together today, is just pray together and just exercise that instrument of prayer. You know, for some of you, maybe it's been a while. Um, maybe this is going to be a, a homecoming of sorts right, in praying and praying to, to Jesus. And for you, maybe you just want to start off with simple, something simple like, hi, Daddy, and, and just, you know, pour out your heart to him. Here's my troubles. Here's what's going on. You know, thanks for, for still being there for me, even though it's been a while. You know, for others, maybe you want to pray. You've got you know, a friend or a family member that's really going through something tough, and you just want to want to intercede on, on their behalf and, and lift them up. Um, you know, go ahead and do that. Or maybe some of you want to pray for um, the, the men and women that are going to be involved with Operation Christmas Child that Justin mentioned. Um, it's a huge project you know, going on. And maybe you want to pray that the, the Holy Spirit would just come through these men and women that are going to be a part of it that not only the children, but the parents of the children could see something different in them and desire to learn more about Jesus. So let's just take a few minutes together silently and pray um, and just exercise this muscle together.
send you out this morning, we want to continue in this practice of engaging in prayer, not just talking about it, but engaging in it. So we want to send you out equipped to participate in this framework of prayer, to experience God through it, to begin to experience the shaping of your spiritual life through it. And so on your way out, you're going to get a, a bookmark here uh, on one side, uh, scripture to walk through together. Uh, as we walk through this series, and then on the other side, um, it's just titled, So Now What? Exploring the Further Mystery of Prayer. And so it's just a, a little bit of a guideline to help you along, okay, to give you some structure, to give you some framework through which you can experience this. Um, first of all, get creative. Get creative. Try expressing your prayer in some way that, that, um, that taps into who you are. Let it be expressed through your personality. So for you, maybe that's some kind of art. Maybe it's activism. Maybe it's building something. Maybe it's getting outside and going for a hike. Maybe it's uh, writing a poem, writing a song, something like that. Um, just get creative with it. If that all of those options make you feel weird, then that's totally fine. Don't do it, all right? Remember, this is your father you're talking to, so just be yourself, okay? You just be yourself. Find a way to express it. That is true to who you are and in the way that you've been uniquely made. Um, also... Pray with Jesus. We, we always talk about praying to Jesus, and we get that. We understand that. But what if you tried to pray with Jesus? And that's part of what this reading for this week, the scripture reading from this week does. It explores the different places in the Gospels where we see Jesus praying and where we see Jesus talking about prayer. So it teaches us, okay, why are we praying? What do we pray for? How do we pray? Follow the model of Jesus himself. There's no better model, obviously. Um, than that. So not just praying to Jesus, but praying with him. Seeing where he prays, how he prays, and what he prays for, and allowing that to influence us and shape us. Um, you might try fasting. Okay? Fasting means to like give up something. Usually uh, it has to do with food. Okay? Like maybe giving up a meal and taking that time where you would normally spend it uh, eating, taking that time and, and using that to pray, using that as time to focus your heart. Understand this Fasting is not a spiritual hunger strike, okay? Throughout history, people have used that, the, 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 the hunger strike, as a way to apply political pressure to people, as a, a way to, to raise awareness for their cause. That is not what fasting is. That is not what fasting is. You do not need to apply pressure to God in order for him to understand what you're going through. You don't need to raise his awareness. He already knows, okay? You don't have to... to kind of hurt yourself to get his attention. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Your face is always in his mind. Your, your name is always on his lips. He, he is with you already. His awareness cannot be praised anymore of you. So it's not getting God's attention, but fasting is putting our attention intentionally on him. It's focusing our attention, not trying to grab his. You already have that. Okay. So take, a, take one meal. Choose a meal a week and say, I'm going to give up this particular meal a week and fast and use that to focus my attention on God. There's something about surrendering our most primal cravings that says, I want a deeper craving. I want you to be my absolute deepest craving in my life. I need you more than anything. And I want you more than anything. That's what it's about. So, so maybe you try that. Maybe you try fasting with friends in a small group or, or, or a, a kind of a community of people that you're sharing this faith journey together with, fast together. It will draw you closer to God and it will draw you closer 
So we want to send you out with this into the further mystery of prayer and give you that chance to um, experience that. There's a book that is one of my favorite books, all right? It's called Jaber Crow. It's by an author named Wendell Berry. And Wendell Berry is a poet and a farmer, all right? Both of which require the careful cultivation of living things, okay? And so I love this book. It is, it is an amazing book, and it tells the story of this little small town barber and kind of just walks through his life story. And there's this great moment when the barber, Jaber Crow, this young guy is in college, and he's wrestling with some of these cosmic questions in his life. And he's got these incredible questions, and so he brings them, he lays his burden at the feet of one of his professors, and here's how the conversation goes, beginning with the professor, as he's poured out all of his questions to this guy. The professor says, you have been given questions to which you cannot be given answers. You will have to live them out. Perhaps a little at a time. Jaber answers back, and how long is that going to take? I don't know, the professor says, as long as you live, perhaps. Jaber says, wow, that could be a long time. And the professor answers back, I will tell you a further mystery. It may take longer than that. Prayer is one of these further mysteries. It is riddled with mystery, riddled with questions, filled with wonder. And these are the kind of questions that don't get answered in a brief sermon like this, okay? These are the kind of questions that you have to live out. And it may take a very long time. It may take as long as you live. It may take longer than that. But the journey is worth it. It's an incredible journey. And the invitation is there for you to explore this further mystery of prayer, to live out the questions and to discover what we thought might be undiscoverable about God, to be pushed away from the shore, to be drawn out beyond the shallows and out over our heads into deep water. Father, thank you for this amazing opportunity that we have to communicate with you, to share uh, the deepest things of our hearts with you and to have them answered back by you sharing the deepest parts of your heart with us. So I pray you would teach us in this, bring us into that school of prayer and teach us, instruct us, shape us, change us. Help us to know what it means to have this communication with you. And I pray that we would none of us would walk away from it unchanged, untouched by it. That it would reshape us. That we'd be marked by it. Help us to discover it and to find more and more as we discover that there's so much more to learn, there's so much more to know, there's so much more to experience. Drag us deep into it. See you in every prayer.